<laughs> Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's everybody doing? Hopefully everybody is doing well. Um, back for a lot of post spring sports postseason talk tonight. Very excited to be joining you. Um, Rob, I felt like I was a little wiped out last week after a lot of transition, so trying to be back to normal tonight. <laughs> oh, I feel like yeah. I'm wiped out every Monday. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, don't forget to rate and, re- rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Big thanks. A lot of uh, – Rob, we had pretty good numbers last week for the offseason or the relative oh, offseason. Wow. So that was kind of cool. I guess people were excited to hear about Jimmy, um, other than the Giants fans among us. Um, yes. Yes. Um, but thank, we want to thank Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, go by and see all – there's a whole bunch of dukes that work for Mossy Creek. Go by the shop anytime. And if you mention the podcast, you get a free sticker from Mossy Creek. Uh, they have a whole bunch of them. They're pretty cool. Uh, definitely book some summer trips. I know they've had a ton of rain the last few days, like all of us. Uh, but it's that time of year. So get out there with Mossy Creek, and we hope to join you sometime this summer. Rob, I guess we should start. Um, we want to get to softball. Um, I have some comments that I, I want to follow up on your point from last week. I, I don't know. I've had a few more days to get pissed about this CAA stuff. So we'll get there in a little while. Um, oh, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit over it. I'm a little bit over it. I know, and I CAA. should be over it, but I just, I, maybe it's the softball seating thing that got me. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm ready to go tonight. So. Um, all right, the defending national champ. We want to start with the defending national champion lacrosse team. Um, unfortunately, still, still national champs. Still national champs. That's right. Technically speaking, technically speaking, they they will not be uh, on the field defending their title anymore. They did fall in overtime on Friday to Stony Brook, nine to eight in overtime in a very close game. JMU was ahead for a good portion of the game. Stony Brook had actually taken their first lead of the second half very late. I mean two or three minutes to go. JMU tied it up again. I really thought maybe they'd pull it out in overtime, but that's, it's tough in lacrosse when it's that, that, that set up, set up is, as we learned last year, is tough in overtime. So. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Like a, a, a kind of unrelated, but um, Towson on the men's side mm-hmm. had a chance to beat Maryland, which would have been a, a big deal for Towson. Uh, for yep. people that don't follow the game, like Towson, Maryland obviously should be in-state rivals, but Maryland's coach canceled the game. Years yeah. ago, they don't play. So yeah. Towson was hosting, had them like kind of on the ropes. For really, this was the year to beat Maryland and yep. game went to OT. And you know, you're, you're one shot and season's over. Well, and so. it's so hard in that sport where the possession, like once you have possession, you seem to have possession, like all <laughs> oh, the way. Yeah. You know, in most cases, all the way until you get a reasonably good shot. Um, yeah. No, I, I yeah. could go full Al Bundy here, reliving high school moments. But I, I lost my last high school game <laughs> in the championship. In uh, four overtimes. So yeah. I'm well-versed in the heartbreak. <laughs> of, of lacrosse. Lacrosse, <laughs> lacrosse overtime. overtime. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it feels like even in hockey, like most teams are probably going to get the fuck twice, you know? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. Bad. Um, so, look, congratulations to that team. Rob, you put out on Twitter. Uh, it's it, nothing but good things to say about this program. I thought they did a really – I mean, we couldn't have asked for any more in defending the way they went about being the defending champs this year you know, after losing arguably their three or four best players from last year's team, you know, um, coming into the, I mean, you know, it's great to have some, I mean, they, they certainly had plenty of talent this year, but Haley Warden and Kirsten Gaudian and Elena Romsberg, who really led them to the tournament last year, were all gone. 
and this team w- didn't miss a beat this year. And, no, they did, they did really well. Yeah. And, and I think people got a little bit um, – they actually benefited uh, from a bit of recency bias beginning of the season, having them – where they go in the season, right, number four? Yeah, something like that. That was maybe a little bit generous considering all they were replacing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's a legitimate – year in year out kind of contending team and that's really all you can ask i mean for. it's it's hard At any school yes. let alone a ca school absolutely you know? and the and team so they the lost seniors the seniors won what four regular season championships i think three ca tournament championships and a national championship yeah. i mean that that's yeah. one of if not the greatest four-year class in jamie sports history absolutely it's unbelievable yeah. and and it's great to see coach shelley just you know they seem to be cranking it up i mean in um no reason to think the recruiting won't continue to pay off from last year's win. They certainly well. I think I think it'll pay off more. Remember, she was yeah. saying like recruiting was done by the time they won yep. last year. I think so. so there is a bit of a lag. So the fact that they went back to the tournament, oh yeah, established themselves as a consistent, you know, NCAA type team. Um, I think we're going to start to see the benefit of that recruiting maybe next year and the year after. Yeah, I think so too. And and just and, and the way they played this year, they didn't do anything to just, you know, they obviously proved last year was not a fluke. You know, it yeah. stinks to go out the way they did, but so be it. But they bring a lot back. Bring a whole year. lot back, including a probably, I didn't know, potential first team All-American goalkeeper. So, yeah, yeah it's really exciting. Um, Rob, I don't know what to say. I can't say I'm well-versed in baseball. I think they finished the regular season this week, right? Yeah, what, what they, they lost the series Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they finished a game under 500 in the CAA, but got to the 30-win plus 30-win not plateau, but right, right, right. plateau. But finally, crossed that mark again, which is something they hadn't done uh, in Ike's tenure. Right, and and really, it's kind of what you look for for a consistent team. You, you win thirty games every year. That kind of puts you in the mix for your conference. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it's not winning thirty in basketball. And I'm, I'm sure people jump all over yeah. this. I am by no means a college baseball expert. But it is a big deal. It's a nice kind of benchmark to get to. I think you want to be up in the high 30s and, and really to, to start moving and making noise. But just to get back to that solid above 500, um, right around 500 in league play. And the way they did it, you know, they started off very hot and then went down to Louisville, which was their first test of the year, probably their toughest test. Lost that game, but uh, or two games. We kind of went down swinging, pardon the pun, right. in the second one after kind of getting overwhelmed by pitching the first then they hit a rough spot and lost what eight or nine in a row, they and did. it looked like it looked like oh my gosh, you know, everybody's bailing. This is over. This is going to be the end of, of Ike. And then they just turned it around and went on a streak of I think just equal like eight or nine more games. So um, I don't know. I I see I see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I'm very optimistic that if you look at the four years since like there has been progress made, right? And I think now um, I don't know. I think he's got the program back. To where it should have been under Sparky, it kind of fell those last couple of years, mm-hmm. particularly with regards to the pitching staff. But he's got some good young arms. He's got a freshman batting leadoff who's doing tremendous this year. Right. Um, I, I think he's definitely kind of gotten it back to where now you can start building. Mm-hmm. And I know hardcore baseball fans will say that's ridiculous and we're setting the bar too low. But it, it was similar to Roe. Like if you can get back up to the situation where you're solidly winning, then maybe that's the new base that you get a chance to build from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I'm excited to see what they do in the CA tournament yep. and optimistic that they could be turning the corner as a program. Yeah, they host Maryland this week, and they, I think they do have a couple more games left after that. Cause, and they host the tournament this year if they, they do. You know, can, yeah. can stay in the top four. They, the tournament is in Harrisonburg. Like we said, Elon has kind of has started to distance himself from the field in conference play, but not 
I mean, they're 30 and 22 overall. It's not like they're yeah. world beaters in college baseball. So anything could happen if JMU can, can stay in the mix. So we'll see. Um, yeah, Rob, I did want to say it was cool seeing Jimmy in all, the, in all the videos and stuff this week and seeing him make a play on the Redskins rookie highlight thing. You know, uh, none of this yeah, matters. I, but... I, no, I, I didn't click any of it. Right. Good for him. Well, and it was, hope, there was a, hope he's a successful yeah, pro. And there we'll was a, leave the team out of it. It was so cool to see that picture of Jimmy and Andrew Ankra both, you know, out there together. I was, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. The one with, with his locker next to Landon Collins was yeah. quite the dagger. Yeah, yeah. Quite the dagger for me personally. <laughs> well, Just summed up how much was. And I was thinking about Jimmy. I mean, look, we, I, you know, believe wholeheartedly he is going to be there when it's all said and done. And, you know, if he stays healthy, that he has a really good chance to make this team. Um, but I don't know anything about pro scouting. And they clearly, they gave him a number that is, you know, he was wearing number 25 out there this week. He will not be wearing number 25 in the regular season. That's arguably the Redskins' best offensive player, uh, Chris Thompson. So, you know, they obviously haven't – he's not Dwayne Haskins out there. So a lot of work left to do for both those guys, but hopeful for all the JMU prospects around the league. I did see what Ish Hyman going to the Bengals. Some more guys getting a chance. This, So who knows what's going to happen. I, I think there's like a, 11 guys maybe yeah. with a shot this summer. Uh-huh. And obviously not all of them are going to make it, but – that's still pretty cool. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of the buildup of how good JMU has been for the last few years. That, you know, they're this reputational thing. I mean, obviously, there's a few guys like Dan- Daniel Brown and stuff who have been around a while, Josh Wells. But just like we've seen with Georgia Dakota State, I-, I think James Madison is certainly, you know, I- I- you have to wonder if they're kind of getting that rep in the pros of like, oh, this guy's from JMU, he can probably play. You know, yeah. and that's really cool to see. Uh, whatever the team is. So that kind of takes us around. We wanted to talk about softball next. Um, Rob, you kind of wrote the piece today. Uh, if you want to set us up for where softball is headed, um, why some people are a little bit pissed off about or more than pissed off and, and maybe what we think about it going forward. Well, they're not hosting. No. That's let's just get that out of the way. That That's the big story here mm-hmm. is, um, they had another great year, closed the season by absolutely steamrolling the competition. Just destroying. I mean, destroying. Like, almost to the point, my weird theory is they, they made the CA look so bad, <laughs> it almost invalidated right. their regular season accomplishments. They have to pull the mark um, few there and, like, just, you yeah, know, just, make the conference just, look a little better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Where, um, so they're going to Ann Arbor, where Michigan is host. Michigan is, what, the 15 seed? 15 seed, yep. 15 seed, and, but, and that's tough. I mean, Michigan is very good at home. Jamie did beat Michigan on neutral site, but I believe it was three nothing. Three nothing in extra, extra innings. Yeah, that was a game that was zero zero forever. And it was, it was out at, at the ASU Invitational, right. um, where Jamie let another you know big time win opportunity get away. Mm-hmm. I think they had the lead late against against Arizona State. So it's unfortunate. Like I, I don't have a real big problem with the seeding. I think you get that like fourteen to theoretically you know eighteen. Yeah, they're, they're only six, seed 16. sixteen, but. But, yeah, but JMU is essentially that, the 18 seed. 18, yeah. 18 seed. You know, um, they were the 14th think, RPI, but, you know. it's Yeah, yeah, but but I think RPI, I looked it up last night because yep. I was very curious. I think RPI was only through, like, May 5th. So I don't know if they just discount right. conference tournaments or if or if they was counted and we're not seeing it. But they clearly put some value on the P5 conference tournaments. Every year. Season. Every year. Yep. I mean, uh, and Michigan plays in the Big Ten. Obviously, mm-hmm. they won the Big Ten. I believe that was, what, a three-bid lead? Three, yeah, I was going to say, the Big Ten seeded. is not 
is you know it's p5 but it um softball is almost entirely dominated by the sec and the pac-12 um well and, and big and big 12 and big 12 yeah, yeah 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 so right. you got but those, the big those 10 those and ACC are power. not the you know what they no, are in other sports yeah no they're not the normal. weather but, in the big 10 country is very hard on baseball softball <laughs> like spring yeah. outdoor sports yeah but they're so multi-bid leagues sure you know they, they yeah. beat a tournament team in the in the final for instance yeah. um so things so like you can go either way, and it's very easy to like cherry pick enough stats and build a resume big enough for a tweet to make it look like everything was outrageous. You know, you can pick right. oh you comparable games or RPI or something mm-hmm. like that. But the fact is, like if you're in those late teen seeds, there's holes in your resume, mm-hmm. um, just like there are holes in Jamie's. So, like I don't have a real problem with them not being seated. It is, it is just difficult to think about them going on the road because it is very hard to win on the road yeah, I, think the... I think this is a very winnable draw if, if you're gonna get yeah, thing yeah. going on the road i mean michigan is good they're tough at home but this is not like going no. to oklahoma or, or UCLA, ucla right you know which is something um so that's tough i mean like somebody sent us the stat and i looked it up yeah. and they were correct i think it's like 46 of the last 48 regional hosts of advanced yeah i know last year what... was all 16 yeah yeah uh, uh, ironically enough, one of those two that hasn't was JMU in 2015. That's right. And yeah, when and JMU, when they advanced to the Super Regional, they were not hosting, right? They were not hosting. So, I mean, yeah. this, it, it goes so both they've been, ways. On, they've been on both sides of it. Yep. And um, so it can happen. Yeah. But, it, I mean, this, to me, it's better than going and facing an SEC program or a well, Pac-12 program. Yeah. I mean, I think the home thing, I, I don't know. I watched a lot of this. I feel like I've watched a lot of this tournament the last few years in the early rounds with JMU being a part of it. And the home thing is really about, I mean, you, you do end up having a three or four or five day, you know, it's kind of a five day thing, right? By the time JMU flies up there and then you stay and you play games, potentially as many as four or five games in three days, um, that becomes a real benefit to the home team who's just comfortable, you know? Uh, But I don't think, I I think you're right. I think this draw, JMU's first game is against DePaul, um, the, the Big East certainly doesn't scare anybody in softball. Another no. cold weather team who, you know, hasn't been playing outdoors for all that long. Um, and they see, had to win to get in. They had they to win to get a, in. No. They weren't, so, they weren't going to, they weren't at large status. No. I mean, I love JMU's chances there. Uh, St. Francis is in this group. St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Um, St. Francis of Pennsylvania in softball is not all that different from St. Francis of Pennsylvania in football. Um, no, they, right. they won a week conference. Right, right. I think they finished 500. Right. So um, they're, they're cannon fodder. And, and the seed is Michigan who JMU beat earlier this season. So I, I don't have any doubt with Megan Good and CC Alexander on the mound, there is gonna, not going to be an ounce of fear in this team and probably a little bit of pissed offness in the team. Well, I'm not even, it's, yeah. unlike years past, right. I, I think this is similar to the evolution we had with, with basketball under coach O where it's kind of a more team-based approach. Mm-hmm. Um, JMU was, has been great for years in softball. Everybody knows that. Yep. You don't need to be new to tell us right. that. But they kind of relied on dominant arms mm-hmm. playing big, and they got dominant performances from Jalen Ford and Megan Good, mm-hmm. you know, who just throw shutouts against these top teams. Twelve up. So this year, they're getting really good pitching from CC and Megan. It's not mm-hmm. to the otherworldly level that Megan once performed at, mm-hmm. but it's the hitting. Yeah, I and mean, if you looked at the stats, they yeah. they thirty something runs in the tournament over the weekend. Oh yeah, they were I slugging mean... like six hundred. Go look up the offensive stats. Yeah, JMU was like number one or number two. Yeah, in home runs, batting average, slugging, extra yep. base hits, total bases. I mean, they absolutely mash. It is just, yeah. I mean, not and not, I think not the, the Bash I, Brothers, but no. And I think this but is some also, sort of equivalent. They yeah. just crush the ball. 
And I'd love to talk to Coach Laporte about, um, I, I, you know, I watched a lot of UNCG softball the last few years, and I think this is the continued evolution of the sport, that 10 years ago, like so many of these tournament games were almost shutouts. You know, yeah. a, a one borderline nothing, two no one hitters games. from pitchers yeah. from Tennessee or Florida or UCLA. And that's not the way the sport is anymore, even when you have Megan Good on the mound. I mean, I thought it was interesting yeah. that Megan Good was a finalist for national, one of the top 10 finalists for national player of the year. And obviously she's a great offensive player, but she was not, you know, her stats were not up to her, what we have become accustomed to her freshman and sophomore year on the mound. Um, but I don't think anybody's are right now in the sport. I think there's a lot more scoring and hopefully Jamie, you can keep these bats hot <laughs> and get through here. I, I know one thing, the winner of this region will likely go to UCLA in the second round. Um, you'll be on TV if you play UCLA. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Uh, you'll be on, you, you know, ESPN or ESPN too. Yeah. And, and they're just one of the traditional programs in a beautiful setting. And everybody loves to talk and watch. And, you know, they're coached by one of the, I forget her name, but one of the real legends of softball for U.S. women as well. Um, Didn't they know, beat Oklahoma? They I think they did. Yeah. Oklahoma? I mean, that's, yeah. and, and they're just, you know, that will, it'll be a, a great opportunity for JMU if they could get out of this regional. Uh, that's for sure. So look, that's, I think that's, I mean, I'm with you, Rob. I mean, maybe the softball thing got me pissed about the CAA because <laughs> it is, well, and mean, that's what it is that you can't deny. Right. I mean, JMU played the CAA tournament and their RPI could have conceivably gone down. Right. And yeah. Michigan played the big 10 tournament and they beat another tournament team to get in the tournament. So that's the way this is going to continue to be as long as JMU is in the CAA. And unfortunately softball, you know, unlike sports like, field hockey or lacrosse where you've you know there's a limited number of teams participating so if you're a top 25-ish team you're going to be able to schedule everybody that's a big name I mean softball's just not going to be like that you have to play 30 games against CAA competition so yeah. there, there's there's also a bit of a regional bias yeah big you time know, a regional, regional like the northeast and JMU is kind of lumped in that mid-Atlantic mm-hmm. eastern seaboard thing it's like the game doesn't exist in the minds of some of these voters yes. until you get into SEC country yep. and then kind of wrap out to the West yeah, Coast, Texas, the West and Coast. The Big 12 yeah. and then the West Coast. Yeah, the places where you can play year-round, basically. And, and I believe, don't quote me on this, I won't need to go look yep. it up, but I think somebody today is saying on Twitter or something, it even it matters on the representation of the actual selection committee. Oh. There are only like one or two East Coast schools even represented. Yep. So you're getting no advocacy. Nope. So there's nobody in the room pulling for you and, and stating your case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I, I understand how good these programs are in the SEC. Yeah. But for every school to get a bid, yeah. it just seems kind of like, why are we even playing? Yeah, why are yeah. we playing the season? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's the way I feel about big time um, men's conference tournaments yes like what the heck is the point all you can do is steal a bid in those in those situations right. and this i mean every single school got a bid that's yeah that's, like that's what are ludicrous we, that really that's is, ludicrous. really it's like why are we that means that some of those teams were well under 500 in the conference yeah, yeah right like so what are we even like i mean forget about michigan you want to grab out somebody getting a seed it's Ole Miss. yeah that's right that's right you know like i, I don't really have a problem with michigan i no. think you could flip a coin with them or oh, they won the much big rather, yeah 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 but man, yeah, to get the entire league in, mm-hmm. just oh, here you go, right this way to the to the postseason, just seems like a joke. To me. <laughs> right, right. It's like you've already proven you're not the national champion. Like, yeah, you've proven yeah, it many over. times over. You know, I mean, yeah. you're right. That's exactly how I feel about the ninth ninth place team in the ACC basketball, to, you know, conference or whatever. Yeah, every it's year, it's like, 
well, you've already proven you're not Duke or Virginia here. So, like, yeah, do I mean, you really need great. to argue over NC State not getting in? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Jamie could finish last in the SEC. Great. Yeah, do right. they get a pass? <laughs> I, I think it's more impressive right. to win the CAA and have 40 something. You know, I don't yeah, know. no. The NCAA is a farce. It is. And, um, but hopefully, JMU will put all that behind them and go out and do it on the field, and all the brackets won't matter if they can make it to Westwood in week two. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll take that. Uh, Rob, I did want to circle back, uh, you know, while we're here. I read there was a bunch of Twitter stuff today going around about um, the Flow Sports streaming deal for JMU, which you wrote about and and kind of introduced last week because I was not up to speed. There was a good Greg Medea article. Well, good article in the sense of Greg Medea went out and wrote the article and did the work. Um, (laughs) But he interviewed so the fucking Joey D, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I just, I'm glad I didn't, I almost wrote a tweet today and I pulled it back. And then our buddy, Mike Brodsky from, who's, you know, sort of the, the thinking man CAA fan uh, from Northeastern reminded me, I was going to, I was going to sort of walk back my original criticisms of, of former commissioner Yeager. You know, I've been hard on him in the past and to some extent, you know, he missed the boat on conference realignment. I think his biggest his biggest problem was really relying too much on tradition and handshakes and old relationships and thinking that, you know, these guys were all his friends and everybody was going to stay friends and stay in the league. When clearly, if you were Mason or Richmond or ODU or VCU or any of the teams that left, it didn't have anything to do with established relationships. It had to do with money and it had to yep. do with the opportunity to get into the men's basketball tournament. Yep. And, you know, I don't, I guess for all of my criticism of Jaeger, you know, most of my criticism that was that he was, um, I don't want to like just too parochial kind of like too, you know, small townish about the CAA. It was never that he didn't care about the CAA or wasn't total idiot, you know, and this stuff, no, he did, cared, but he, he thought everybody else cared. The he same also, yeah. He thought everybody else cared about all the same things he cared about. And that was, it's funny that looking back now, it seems so quaint to be mad at someone for that because this guy just sounded like a moron today. And I'm sorry. I just, I thought back to what you said, Rob, about last week, $12.50 a month for this deal, right? And clearly there are going to be some JMU football games on this thing, which means they're not going to be on Madison. It was my understanding. And That's correct. Yeah. And I started thinking about it and what you said, it's the fine, it's the financials of this that don't make any sense to me. So I talked to some of my less passionate JMU friends today and they said, $12 and 50 cents a month. I'm not paying that. Like, well, I guess I'm not watching that. Or I guess I'll go to a watch party or something, you know? Oh, exactly. Right? No and, one's pay. Like, yeah. Like you and yeah. I are going to pay for it because we are insane and we're dorks and we do this thing and we, and, and the hundred people we know from, tailgating and Twitter and, you know, our hardcore fans, they're going to pay for it. But that's the ceiling for any school in the CAA. Yeah. Right. I mean, JMU might bring, I, I don't know, five, let's say best case scenario, they have 500 accounts registered from JMU at 1250 a month. Well, that's clearly going to lead the conference by a country mile yeah. in the number of subscribers to this thing. Well, you so, know what the funniest part yeah. was in that article? Yeah. When Joey D's like, oh, it's going to be available in July, it's people going to subscribe. 
Who's going to subscribe right. in July? To I mean, what? I know, to what? I'm going to subscribe and, the day before, the, the hour before the first game that is on this package. And people, they're trying to be like, oh, well, we're going to provide extra content. Talk to any DC United fan about that extra yeah. content. It's like web snippets that you typically would get on the team web, you know, the team website. Right. It's a joke. Like, what the hell am I going to do in July? Like, you can even practice reports. Uh, right. Or, I just, it's comical. And do like, I why that, even bother? And, and, and is Flow Sports, like, of course, everyone's going to do what I do. All, everyone's going to sign up an hour before the first game that's on this thing. Mm-hmm. And the site's going to crash the same way it did for DC United's first game. Yep. Right? It's just, oh, the whole thing. And the idea of just, like, this is going to somehow help us with recognition because we'll be able to get more product, but no one's going to watch the product. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'd rather have three games a year on ESPN3 than nine games a year on this thing. Well, like I, I, yes. I go back. Did you see the other article? Somebody sent yeah. this from Charleston, where the the schools are taking their revenue from this, and rather than collecting it, they're giving it to the league, and the league is going to pay to have CBS Sports Network broadcast basketball games. So nobody's making money from this. They're taking the money. They said so. We're going to put it on CBS thousand. Sports Network, which so, is only available for, on like half the cable. Pages. Which is yeah. Which I'll give you an idea of how. The last time I watched CBS Sports Network for basketball was when my high school was on it. <laughs> right. Like, that's the sort of thing. It's like, oh, neat. Th- great. They've got, you know, PVI playing in some Myrtle Beach jammer. I'll tune in for that. It's not exactly a top-tier network. No. Um, I'm aware of and, only and one school- game on the CBS Sports Network for basketball, yeah. and that is the Patriot League final with, with John Feinstein on the color commentary. Like, so, so, so the schools aren't even really getting any money. So the idea that this was, like, last week we heard – they had to go to Flow Sports because we've got to create a revenue stream for basketball, and this is the new way we're going to compete. No, they're taking the money from Flow and using it to buy airtime on other things. On, on other things. When JMU's and, been fairly successful in the last year or two in getting their own deals. Well, that, 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 with the regional there is, networks, there is my silver lining. Yeah, because they can still do this, that, right? Well, now, and you look at this whole thing, and you're like, wait, so they're just taking the money? They claim it was about revenue, now it's about revenue. To buy, because yeah, I don't essentially give two airtime for exposure about whether Drexel and friggin' Albany are on TV on the internet streaming side. No, no, right? no, no. no. I, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. But hear me out. Hear me yeah. out. This is a long point. But see if I can get. Okay. It. So, like, I, I, I think there's a lot of just double talk and logical missteps and everything like that. But they do. Oh, revenue. But then you're taking the revenue, so it's clearly about exposure. So then you're like. Well, why not go ESPN? If it's about exposure, you go ESPN Plus, which is half the cost. It has massive reach where you can right. potentially reach, you know, millions and millions of people versus right. what I'm assuming is thousands, maybe tens of thousands yeah. in Flow Sports. Um, but the, the deal breaker with ESPN Plus is they make you sign over your life. You sign your soul away. You, yeah. lose, you lose your rights. Yeah. Who are the rights most important to? It's JMU. JMU. So, so what I'm thinking is, it was this okay. finally a case, finally a case of JMU and Bourne in particular putting JMU's wants and needs so ahead far ahead of the conference, conference saying, screw, screw your conference. Like, great, we'll give you guys that. But all we care about is we want to maximize our footprint in the Mid-Atlantic on mm-hmm. linear television. We're not giving that up. And it's so interesting. That, that's, that's, that's my yeah. positive spin. Like, if, if JMU was the problem or kind of the, the, the speed bump that the league couldn't get over and force them to go mm-hmm. for sports – then hats off Jeff Bourne. Yeah. I'm with you. Like act in our own self-interest. And this is, this isn't conspiracy theory, but this no. is me majorly trying to spin things positive. But if that is the case, 
then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I if guess that isn't the case, then none, none of this of makes sense. sense. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's funny that that article came out of Charleston because I think Charleston is the one other school in the conference that would, I think, um, probably side with JMU in that. Charleston right? and Northeastern. Yeah. Northeastern yeah. has a deal with Nesson. Right. Northeastern yeah. has a Nesson deal. And Charleston, I don't know their deal down there, but I do know, I mean, you and I have been it's down a, there. It's a local thing. Well, yeah. yeah. And they're, they're kind of the, I mean, they don't have pro sports, right? I mean, obviously people down there follow Clemson or South Carolina, but but Charleston sports do kind of dominate the local market there, right? I mean, more, they don't have, I mean, not Citadel or Charleston yeah, Southern. I mean, if you else. don't have the ring, if you're not one of the, the Citadel ring. Right, 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 right. I mean, I, but, but you, when you're down there, you notice in the paper on the billboards things, it's, it feels more like Harrisonburg in that way where there's, yeah. you know, people care about that team and it kind of locally. It's a community thing. It is a community thing. It dominates yeah. the paper in a way that it's just never going to do at Delaware or Drexel or Hofstra. You know, yeah. um, so I, I don't know. I guess that's one way to look at it. I just I got to thinking what you said last week about the money. And I was like, in JMU, they'll be lucky if they get 500 subscribers from, just from JMU. And that'll be the most that'll be like double the rest of the conference combined. So they're well, going to have a thousand like, uh, subscribers at 1250 a piece. And somehow well, that's, that's going to pay for something. And there's some sort of deal where like you can conceivably get ad revenue and partnerships okay. with flow. But like. Is Flow Venture funded? Like, how's this? There That's, can't be that many people buying this. Group. Well, maybe the good news is it'll go away in like two years and it'll yeah, be mean, out it, of its contract, right? This this might be the bumpers of um, online <laughs> streaming. Oh, I loved bumpers though. Bumpers so at least not. worked really well. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I think that's all the ranting for one night. Um, Rob, we had a fun overtime topic tonight. Um, I couldn't help that crazy Kawhi Leonard shot last night. Um, you know, not the greatest buzzing video ever, but certainly one of the more interesting ones just from a how it went down standpoint, right? I mean. And what? just a fun series. Yeah, really just, fun series. Know, really fun yeah. series. And I really like Kawhi Leonard. I Me think too. He's a fun guy to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed watching that series. I missed that game. I was cleaning up and stuff so like I that. I missed the I end was, of it. Yeah, well, I thought yep. it was on later. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm flipping through and alert, alerts going off the phone. And I saw that. That was really kind of. Uh, just an unbelievable finish and the way it bounced around like that. Did yeah. you see the photo? It was one of those things. I think Darren Ravel truly did it, okay. which made me kind of not want to like it, but yeah. but it was good. Like the idea that somebody had the wherewithal just to focus in on Leonard mm-hmm. watching the shot go rather than when the he shot squats itself. down. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's him and it's the guys on the bench yeah. and Joel Embiid. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, like pictures paint a thousand words as a cliche goes. Yeah. It's just, it was awesome that to see was. it like that. Um, just the fun. way it, it bounced on the rim so much was just so cool because the crowd, like everything went silent and the buzzer had already gone off, you know, and it was just this like, wait, wait, the anticipation. Wait. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like the end of a movie script. Yeah. You know, that was just so fun to watch. I mean, no, two really, really that's good That's the best game. way to describe it. It was like something yeah. like if it was in a movie, you'd be like, come on. Right. You know, <laughs> it, right. it, hit, it hit the rim four times. That was crazy. Um but it got us thinking about what are our favorite buzzer beaters or endings for JMU um, over the years. I, Rob, I didn't think about anything from before I watched. So, you know, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to no. like pretend. So obviously, we're always missing the, the super old school. Um, but I don't know. I wrote down a few. Did you want to start us off with one? Yeah. What are we doing? Like top three or something? Yeah, top three, top four, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You okay. Can, cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I I wrote down five. Figuring okay. out first. This will cover yep. me. So at least get to say all three. Yeah. Um, I, we're going all sports, right? Yeah, all sports. 
Okay, this is a typical JMUSB fashion. We yes. kind of fire off a text or one email saying yep. this EOT. We don't discuss it or explain it. <laughs> roll with it. Yeah, I'm gonna go since this isn't my top one, but it was still an all timer. I'm going with Ethan Ratke's 46 yard or an OT to beat Weber State. Yeah, nice. I had that one for sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean that that was great. I almost was gonna go. It wasn't technically a buzzer beater, but in terms of a late game excitement, Stapleton's touchdown that game. Was well, amazing as well, but I like was, I, I thought this game was over. I mean, I was like, yeah, you know, pack it up, dream season is done. What are we going to do? And then to storm back in the fourth quarter, and then to come back and hit I mean, this was that was not an easy kick. No, um, and Racky was wasn't even the it wasn't even overtime either. It was the regulation. Well, he regulation, but then didn't he hit another one in OT? Did they? I mean, now I'm even forgetting. I just remember thinking what you're thinking, which is I wrote this one down thinking of the collective last five minutes of this game. Yeah. Right. And the probably more than, like you said, there are other games where the finish was probably more relax, miraculous, like the actual finish, mm-hmm. like the last play of the game that we're going to talk about. But I can't think of any of those games where I thought the game was over more than this one. Um, yeah. Where I just, I was like, Jamie's done. Like, they, they're not going to win this game. And they were down eight. And you're right. They got the uh, – yeah, the, the, or whatever. They were, they were down 11. And they got the touchdown. Um, yeah, the – what was that? The Stapleton touchdown and then the two-point conversion touchdown. from Trey Sharp. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It wasn't OT. I'm sorry. It was last yeah, place. No, goal. Yeah, yeah. Or down – yeah. So, they, they got quick. And then um, they got the Stapleton touchdown, the Trey Sharp two-point conversion, and then they get the ball back and Racky hits the field goal. I mean, that was – Unbelievable from thinking yeah. that game was over, over to that. I mean, they, yeah. they went, they went up 28, 20 with three minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those like 10 plays, really long drive. And it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, it's done. And then Stapleton had that 40 yarder. If you remember, mm-hmm. where, like he kind yep. of shook the Down guy on the like, left sideline. Yep. Yeah. And he kind of shook the guy and then just went in and went, you know, flexed on it. And, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my gosh, tied it up. And then they got the ball back uh-huh. um, and three plays, 39 yards in a minute. Yep. And he had a 46-yarder. It was just it was freezing un- cold un- night. Unbelievable. Yeah, great yeah, night. It was a, yeah. Was it a Friday night game? Mm. Perhaps that, that, was it either Friday or Saturday? It might have been Friday, Friday or Saturday. Yeah. yeah it, it, was been, simple, but, it was a night game for know. sure, or at least after Yeah, it was definitely a night game. Yeah. It was late, but that was really just um, – talk about an emotional roller coaster. I mean, I thought they were done when, when Weaver went down and scored that touchdown. It was just brutal. That's what was, he hit one. He hit one to go up 21-20. Mm-hmm. In the fourth quarter. Yep. That's what it was. And then yep. Weaver came back. So. And made their two-point. Yeah, it was great. Um, my second football one, I, I mean, this one's obvious, but the Bosco Williams catch at Villanova, the Hail Mary in 2008 yep. um, from Landers. You know, we're going to get – I'm sure we have another 2008 one on here. But mm-hmm. as far as just pure Hail Mary, that was a weird game just because I didn't um, – it, it was a Hail Mary, but it wasn't super far. I think James, it's, like 30, it's like 35 yards, yeah, but, he, yeah. he had, but he probably threw it 40, 45. He did, and it was just – it felt really far because of the weather. That game was like in yeah. a hurricane, and um, but it wasn't actually that. I mean, it was one of those things where I didn't – I don't think I kind of realized they were down to just a Hail Mary until two plays before that. Like they had mm-hmm. gotten the ball back and were kind of driving down. I think they were down four or five at the time. I mean, they couldn't kick a field goal, so – we knew they had to go for the end zone, but it felt like, oh, they have time to make a drive of some kind. And then all of a sudden there was five seconds left and they run that play. Um, super fun. You know, just the unexpected um, recipient of that pass. But that season was filled with a lot of those. So that was a fun one. It's funny that you knew it was Bosco Williams. I had to look that up. Yeah. Because I always think, like, 
the quarterback always gets credit. It's always like Rodney's pass, yeah. Rodney's pass. It was kind of an opportunistic catch, but didn't somebody bat it? Like somebody had a hand on it. It was a yeah. bunch of defenders. Yeah, there were everyone was and there. And then it's kind of yeah. But like Bosco Williams, it's yeah. He was like a that's sack a, reserve tight end. I mean, yeah. yeah, but still, like that's an iconic play. And I think most people are not like you. They they would refer to that as Rodney's hail mary. Yes. And then people would be like, well, who caught it? I don't know, you know, some guy like you did, like I, yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah, I, I went to that game, so I just will always remember that one. But yeah, that was really, really a fun one. That's cool. So what, what's next for you, Rob? Well, I'm going to get one that is not nearly as iconic. It's not anywhere in the, the lore of mm-hmm. great wins or anything like that. Um, but for me, as you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a big Hoops fan, and the 2013 team yep. was, a, was a fun team. The, where, yeah. the, the Nation alley-oop from Devon Moore, Delaware. Yep, yep, that yeah. was on my... Okay, good. Yeah. I think they got the, it was like I looked it up today on YouTube. And they were down by one, I think it was seventy one seventy, and they got the ball back and I want to say it was like one second. Yeah, so it was. Like, okay, no, no chance. And part just kind of nation making a move and part just defense falling asleep. He just ran right up and from the from underneath the underneath the basket, more inbounded it, straight alley oop, nation nation. It wasn't like a crazy dunk or anything. He just went up and got it. He only had a second. And then they won seventy two, seventy one. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's when things started to turn. Yes, it and was. this team started to play with momentum. Mm-hmm. I think that was either right before, or right after they they lost to Northeastern, mm-hmm. but it was one of these outstanding games. It was on TV mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon, yep. remember, like the featured game of the week, and you just started to see a glimpse, like, oh my gosh, this team can do can do big things, and they were yes. having fun. They were they're fun to watch. Um, that Delaware game was just a blast to do it on the road. And buzzing, buzzer beating alley, buzzer beating alley is is tough to beat. It is. You don't hear that very often. Uh-huh. Um, I was trying to think. I did want to get one that wasn't football or basketball, and this mm-hmm. wasn't really a buzzer beater. But I thought the the title game for lacrosse last year against Boston College was yeah. one of the more thrilling games I've ever watched. Right? Yeah. I mean, and JMU didn't really. I mean, I think that game was tied with like two minutes to go or something. I mean, it was a great, great game, and it was big draw control. Bit, yeah, it was in. That game was in doubt until the last 15 seconds, mm-hmm. um, just as far as and, – and, and the stakes and as good as Boston College was and everything that was on the line. Uh, it's tough to get more excited than that as a JMU fan. So yeah, that was what I put on my list. Yeah, without doubt. Yep. yep. Well, I guess uh, – I yeah. think I know. We've got two well, big ones. Two, I have two one big more. ones. Yeah. 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 I got to go with, with Ken Klukos. Yeah. Got, <laughs> Come on, of course. My freshman year. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I mean, that was – I am not. I don't think Sports Center did top plays at the time. I think they did, like, plays of the week still or plays of oh, the yeah, month. Yeah. But that was, you know, a Sports Center number one play, top play type mm-hmm. candidate. Um, anytime anybody hits a buzzer beater in March Madness, it's a big deal. When they do it for, you know, kind of a one-bid league, it's yeah. an even bigger deal. Oh, yeah. Um, CA was a one-bid league, but they were a really good league. It was mm-hmm. really competitive. ODU was a – Big rival in hoops, mm-hmm. so that was just crazy. I mean, to hit to hit a three like that back at a time when people didn't shoot eight nine threes a game, you know, no. individual players, maybe a team would shoot that. It still was kind of like a, not a high risk shot, but it wasn't considered like the oh, steady yeah. shot that it is now. You know, these deep deep corner shots. So it was well, awesome. kind of see, yeah. You see the crowd kind of rush down, go nuts, and yeah. go nuts, and it was, anytime you had two Virginia teams at that time in the CAA in the CAA tournament at the Richmond Coliseum. Yeah. You're going to have an incredible atmosphere. That was great as good as it gets. Yeah. yeah, great crowd, rushing the floor. Yeah, hitting that to go to the tournament in a one big league. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. 
Yeah. But yeah. And you're strange. right about that three point thing. I thought it was funny the last couple of days, kind of uh, the, with the CJ McCollum game yesterday. Oh, wow. um, and, and the pushback from quite a few players about, I told you the two point shot is still worthwhile or whatever. Yeah. Right. Everybody's tired of the Rockets a little bit. So, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. And back then, everybody shot two pointers and three pointer was a terrible shot. So, yeah, or it wasn't a terrible shot, but it was like it was still kind of a, a specific strategy, a late game strategy, or only yes. if you're wide open. It, yes. Nobody shot pull up threes or nobody would like Or maybe you had one guy on the threes. team like Kaluko. Like you Luka. had one, you had like one guy who was authorized to shoot. Three points. <laughs> nobody matches. else, yeah, yeah, really did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was exactly. incredible. And then, um, yeah, Rob, I had two. I mean, I thought the end of the Furman, the 04 second round playoff game against Furman, I think, right? Yeah, it was against Furman. Yeah, Furman. with the like seven yeah. downs inside the 10. Yep. Where JMU finally punched it in on fourth down mm-hmm. was pretty great. I think the buildup of that was a very like, it was a very postseason baseball buildup with all those plays inside the 10 and the penalty and starting over, you know, just like feeling like it never ends. That was really cool, but then that was one, that, that was the first well attended JMU watch party I went to. Remember Roadside Grill? It was Roadside Grill. It's great. People were jumping off the table yeah. and singing the fight the, song. Yeah, the first one was five of us at Summers Grill. Not yes, <laughs> right, right. Watching on the satellite. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, number one, it's Scotty, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll always be Scotty. Um, it's got to be tough to beat City Stadium in a JMU Richmond game for atmosphere forever at this point. Uh, you know, in Richmond, JMU back then, not to say that it isn't a big deal now, but the longer Richmond has been out of the conference, the more distant that rivalry starts to feel. Um, maybe they'll get good again in football and bring it back even more. But at that time and place, 2008, yeah, to, and, to, and the way it's set up, right? Have them kick away from Scotty all day in the punt game and then in the last second to kick it right to him. It was amazing. And, and to have, I don't know if you were like me, but yeah. I always, you know, like, get out of bounds. Get, get out of bounds. So was the announcer. What are you doing? Yeah. You're crazy. Like, you know, and he went 10 yards. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was yeah. long. It wasn't, you know, 100-yard return, but it was a good long return. This it's also no... funny how, like, you see on TV or you see from the stands, like, he, I don't think he ever, he knew he could score once he turned the corner. Oh, everybody Where... in there other than him was thinking, get out of bounds. Get out of bounds. Thinking, get to the end zone. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that that is just uh, that will always be iconic in JMU lore. We come back to it three or four times a year, and we're glad to do so every time. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think that's about it for tonight, Rob. I will talk to you next week. I really, really hope we are talking about softball headed to UCLA or coming home to face somebody else. At that point, um, well, that would be the dream scenario. That would be the dream somebody, scenario. Somebody, somebody, somebody could knock UCLA. off UCLA. Yeah, but. In any case, I, I really hope we're, we still have sports to talk about um, other than just baseball. And hopefully baseball will win some more games and, and give us something to talk about the following week in the CAA tournament as well. And fans, another chance to go watch games at Veterans Memorial Park. But after that, we will start focusing on football. I think it is 119 days to Morgantown. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw and Hero Sports has already put out their call to JMU fans by – Making JMU the presumptive preseason number one. Oh, 
<laughs> Somewhat deserved, but they also know where their bread is buttered. Uh, and also, it's like clickbait for NDSU fans. So clickbait and JMU and NDSU fans pretty much keep that site in business. Right, right. As good as it is, yes. they're not dumb people. No, no. That's great to see. So go by Mossy Creek in Harrisonburg. Set up some trips this summer. Go learn to fly fish. Um, we know you'll have a great time. Those guys are great. I think like 75% of the employees are JMU people. They do all kinds of stuff with JMU. Go by the shop anytime. Even if you just want to pick up a new cooler or drink cup for the summer or the season, go by there anytime. And big thanks as always to Pale Fire. You can always go by the tap room and mention the sports vlog podcast and still get your free pint glass. Yes, absolutely. I had, had myself a salad days the other night. That is a nice. really good beer. Really good one. Yes. Yeah. So, Rob, I will talk to you next week. All right. Have a good week, everybody. All right. Go Dukes.